You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1162 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And thank you as well for joining us on the podcast today and making us your first listen each and every day. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Today's show will break down will become a nice win for the Hawks. This is two in a row for the Hawks for the first time in almost two months as they come back from a double-digit deficit in the first half and beat the Minnesota Timberwolves at home on Wednesday by a final score of 134 to 122. Obviously an offense first game in a lot of ways, but the defense turned it up in the second half, which we'll get to in a little bit on the podcast, but uh, some noticeably more uh, effort, I would say, after the halftime break defensively. Uh, intensity was very good flying around, and the offense also sort of joined forces with the defense, uh, as in a lot of ways the Hawks have been able to do all season long. They've had these lulls where one or the other has been good, but in the second half of this game, it was both sides of the floor, of the floor and that turned in a uh, deficit into a strong lead and what became a nice victory for the Hawks. So we'll get into the game now, obviously, after a big win on Monday, and if you missed it, I've already done podcasts twice this week. Uh, Monday, we talked about the Bucks game and that victory, and then Tuesday, sort of a mailbag-driven episode. Those are still available on the feed right now. But for this game, um, this is the actually the last game against Minnesota this season because they actually Hawks set the franchise record for threes in the first matchup that when they won on the road against the Wolves earlier this season. It was a back-to-back with travel for Minnesota, which kind of, I think you could probably see a little bit. Minnesota was the more tired team in the second half. They also lost some guys during the game, Patrick Beverly and Anthony Edwards being ejected, actually. Um, but a wild stat that's still in play, the Wolves have uh, came into the game 0-27 um, in the last 27 times they've actually tried to sweep a back-to-back with travel. So basically, when they win the first half of the back-to-back and then have to travel, they're 0-27, and now they're 0-28. That is an NBA record by 10 games. Again, 28 times in a row they've done this. They've not swept swept a back-to-back with travel since 2012. So uh, maybe a little bit of favorable stuff there for the matchup. But in the first half, it didn't really show. But in the second half, maybe they were a little bit heavy-legged, we should say. Um, The Hawks had the rest advantage with home court as well. Uh, injury-wise, the Hawks, of course, without Capella and Bogdanovich still in this game. And they definitely missed Capella on the glass. Let's just say, obviously, Kongo was very good. We'll get into that in a second. But um, Bogdanovich and Capella are still two key pieces for them. So having those guys out gave them a little bit of a short shrift. But the Wolves, again, lost two key pieces during the game in Beverly and Edwards. The Hawks were actually small favorites in this game, according to Bellalena AG. People were asking me why that was, because Minnesota's been playing better recently. It's because, um, you know, basically home court plus rest advantage, and the Hawks, of course, having some buy-in from the market still in a way that uh, a lot of people not necessarily haven't been with the Hawks all season long. But for, for a while, it looked like the Hawks were going to get around to the building, honestly. It was 7-0 Minnesota before the Hawks like woke up at all. The Hawks did have one sort of um, counterpunch in the early going, but the Wolves had 24 points in six minutes. They were 10 of 17 from the floor with five offensive rebounds. So they missed seven times and got five of the misses on the offensive glass. They were um, out-efforting the Hawks, more energy than the Hawks in the beginning of this game. Jared Vanderbilt was getting a ton of rebounds against Atlanta up front. Um, that's been a problem without, without Capella in the past and also in this game at times. But the Hawks were down 11 in the early going. DeAndre Hunter was the one bright spot at the very outset. He had 10 of the first 13 for the Hawks, made his first four shots. Uh, but Minnesota was passing the ball well. They were shooting the ball well. There were some contested looks for sure, but the Hawks' defense was not fantastic in the early going. Um, rotationally, they went to DeLon Wright and Gallinari first. And then they actually used Gorgie Jang for a brief period of time in the first half. After he did not play at all 
on Monday. Um, we'll fast forward to this in the second, but in the second half, they only ended up playing eight guys. Uh, they did not play Gorgie Jang or Kevin Knox, who did appear for the first time in a Hawks uniform in the first half. He got the TLC minutes. It's kind of ironic because TLC had his best game of the season as a shooter against Minnesota and then did not play in this game, but they wanted to try at least something there. But in the second half, it was the same eight guys that played in the second half on Monday, and that was their best eight for the most part. So uh, no issues there with regard to who was available. But uh, good to see that. At least Knox get some time on the floor. Uh, there was a full bench unit, which I did not love in general. I always kind of say they don't need to do that because they don't, and it did not have a lot of success when it played. Um, they did have a nice wall-up session with Gorgie uh, Jang kind of getting a nice seal on Nas Reed, and then he blocked a layup on the next possession in transition. But overall, the, defense, the defensive stuff was not very good there. Knox had a nice dunk and on his first uh, bucket for the Hawks in uh, sort of the next possession after missing a jump shot. Um, but Nate McMillan was not thrilled with the officiating early on. There was a couple of continuation calls the Hawks did not get. And then the Wolves got one, which uh, kind of incensed Nate a little bit. They were down 16 at the end of the first quarter. So with three quarters to go, they're down 16. And then later in the game, they were up, of course, big. But things did not go well in that opening period. I will say the offense was good in the first half, at least average-ish, with a 4 of 10 from 3, etc. But Trey Young took a while to get going in this game. He had a couple turnovers early on, and actually didn't score until late in the first half. But other than Hunter, it was just kind of okay. And then defensively, it was catastrophic. At least the results were the Wolves scored 1.75 points per possession in the first quarter of the game. 42 points on 24 possessions. That is obviously uh, impossibly bad defense along the way, even if they were, should, I would say they should be credited for making some shots that they weren't necessarily open on. Um, the second quarter was better, to be sure. The full bench unit did not last long in the second quarter. They kind of went back to Herter and Okongwu. And honestly, they might have gone longer with Jang if he even got his third foul pretty quickly. But Gallinari found some juice early in the second quarter with five points in a row. He actually scored eight points in the first two and a half minutes or so of the, of the second quarter, which was big when the Hawks kind of needed that. And then the Wolves, though, stayed hot. You know, the first quarter it was Anthony Edwards. Second quarter it was D'Angelo Russell bombing away from three. In fact, they were 8 of 13 from three at one point in this game. Um, going under screens was a problem at times. The organization stuff was a problem, getting in the wrong place at the wrong time. And um, actually, Trey Young brought this up after the game and how um, Capella is more of a communicator right now than a Kongwu is. And I think a Kongwu again was very good in this game. But uh, Young kind of brought up, I mean, he was asked about a Kongwu, but he kind of talked about the next thing for him is being more communicative. And you can kind of see that with Capella being this great organizer that people I don't, not everybody like wants to think about that. But Capella is someone who does organize things very well defensively. And a Kongwu is a young guy. He's got a long way to go with that. But um, that's something to keep an eye on when they were not having those issues. Um, and the second half was good because they were playing a little with more energy. But in the first half, they were having some trouble getting organized defensively. Um, still, though, they heated up a little bit better at the end of the first half. Collins had a big block that was actually called a foul in transition that he did not enjoy. I thought Nate was going to maybe challenge that, but he didn't up not doing that. Um, but the Hawks got to seven for a while at one point late in the first half. And actually, Trey, again, did not score until the 422 mark of the second quarter um, where he finally got to the line. But um, he, got, he had a lot of assists, and we'll get into this later. But um, from that point forward, he was uh, absolutely brilliant as a scorer. But the Hawks were down by 12 at the break, even though they had cut it down to single digits for a while at the end of the first half. They, went, they actually went small with Collins to close the half instead of a Kongwu, which I thought was maybe intentional after Kongwu. It's also sounds weird because he was so good in the second half. He was not great in the first half, honestly. Uh, he was awesome in the second half, but um, they kind of went away from him a little bit at the end of that first half, which kind of tells you what they thought of the early performance there. Um, the, again, the offense was really good in the first half, even. Um, they scored about 1.29 points per possession before halftime. They shot the ball well, got to the line 16 times, 50% from the floor, 16 assists, 5 turnovers. It's honestly tough to be down by 12 when you play that well on offense, and that was kind of maybe the demoralizing part. Uh, credit to the Hawks for not being demoralized by it, but a lot of times teams will be like, All right, what do you want me to do on offense? We just couldn't get stops, 
and uh, that was the case in this game in the first half, but they ended up kind of piecing it all together after the halftime break. But as a quick look here, defensively in the first half, the numbers are really jarring. I mentioned it before, but 1.75 points per possession in the first quarter for the full half it was 1.55. Um, just for comparison's sake, uh, the league leaders in, in, in offense are like 1.15. So uh, that's very, very ugly defense. The Wolves shot 57% of the floor. They were 10-21 from three, and that included a late heave. So it was really 50% from three for Minnesota in the competitive portion, and the glass was the problem. They got 40% of their own misses, and when you're already shooting that well and getting all your offensive rebounds, that's going to be tough for the defense. Um, 48 points combined for Towns, Russell, and Edwards in the first half. Kind of painting an ugly picture there, but uh, we'll get into it in a second, of course, but the Hawks were so much better in the second half, as we sort of teased that away here. At one point in the second half, it was 50-20 to 20 in favor of the Hawks, so uh, that doesn't come out, doesn't come with, uh, I would say that's not an accident when that, when that happens. So we'll get into it in a second, and the third quarter was a thing of beauty. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is BetOnline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline.ag remains the number one spot for all the sports wagering action for 2022. And with the new year, we have new updated desktop and mobile websites to sign up today. Receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% extra cash on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON to get started. With football, basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC, golf, tennis, auto racing, and much, much more, do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available at BetOnline.ag for 2022. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports action. And again, 50% welcome bonus with BetOnline.ag if you use the promo code LOCKEDON to get started. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, we'll dive into the second half of this game now. And it goes without saying that it was an awesome performance given the scoreboard and the way that it switched, but it was really a two-way effort. The offense was good, and the defense was excellent. In the third quarter, in particular, a 45-20 to 20 quarter. Uh, that You have to dominate both, both ends of the floor to be able to do that in, in an NBA game, and uh, it was 20-2 to two out of the break for the Hawks to start the third quarter. Um, a couple threes by Trey Young, a three by, De- by DeAndre Hunter. They gave up a bucket from there, and then they got dunks from Okongwu and Herter to get it down to one. Then after a timeout, they forced a turnover. Hunter scored again to have their first lead of the entire game um, early in the third quarter. Then another stop, a dunk by Collins, a block by Collins, then a three by Trey Young. And they go from down 12 to up six in less than four minutes with that 20-2 run. It helps to make four threes, of course. Anytime that happens, that's very favorable. But the Hawks were swarming defensively at Kongwu and Collins, um, flying around on the back line. They had better ball pressure, et cetera, in that run as well. Um, more big blocks from there. Kongwu had one on Towns, Collins on McDaniels, a couple of huge plays there. And uh, Edwards got ejected in the middle of that run um, for the Wolves, which definitely helped the Hawks. I'm not sure they would have won this game anyway because I think the Hawks were the better team. But that was a helpful bit of the business for, for Atlanta because Edwards had been playing well. But he got a little bit overheated. Actually got it backed by technical fouls in sequence. There was no like one technical and out. It was it was technical beat technical. And it was uh, you don't often see that for uh, especially for high level players like Edwards, but he kind of lost his cool, it seemed like, and uh, they actually lost Beverly early in the game. So that left the Wolves a little bit short-handed from there. Um, Trey Young actually had a, had a hard foul when he was uh, uh, he was actually hit by Jared Vanderbilt, and it was actually reviewed for a flagrant. It was not called a flagrant, but Trey got up and uh, kept it going at that point in time. In fact, I mentioned it before, but he did not score until about four minutes to go in the second quarter in the entire game. And uh, basically, in the next quarter's worth of clock time, like until the four-minute mark of the third quarter, 
He had 22 points, and uh, that's just outrageous, and he, he kept it going from there as well. Kongwu was getting after Carl Anthony Towns in that stretch, which is a lot of fun to see. I know Hawks fans were loving to see that. Uh, Towns you know, had some moments in this game, for sure, but Kongwu especially gave it to him late, um, kept it with a three-point play, a little stare down at the end, and then there was actually a review we'll get into in a second where uh, Towns got called for a flagrant one foul that was reversed. Um, in, in Atlanta's favor, and then also technical beyond that. So he was in his head as well. That was obviously uh, good to see for the Hawks. At the end of the third quarter, though, um, Kong would play the entire quarter, and Trey had played all but six seconds, and the results were fantastic. 23 points for Trey Young in the third quarter alone, um, five threes, four free throws. Kong had seven points, four rebounds, three blocks in the period, and the Hawks made six threes and scored 45 points on 63% shooting in the quarter. So it was a picture-perfect quarter to, again, go from, you know, we were down 12 at the half to being up double digits at the end of the third quarter. That is a heck of a swing in favor of Atlanta, and they were able to ride that to the victory. In the fourth, um, Towns actually got called as a seven second to go for tripping and a Congo going into the break. It was a technical foul that we kind of knew had already happened, but then they were actually reviewing it during and then after the break and the stoppage, and they uh, lost a bucket for Towns that gave an offensive foul, then a flagrant one, Ended up being a pretty, pretty nice swing towards Atlanta in that stretch because there were free throws for the Hawks, um, sort of in a double situation, and it ended up with the Hawks being up by 13 at the end of the quarter, and then they scored the first five points in the fourth quarter. So after all of that, it was 50-20 to 20 to start the second half, and the Hawks went from down 12 to up 18 in like 13 minutes of clock time. Just a crazy swing. Um, then there was a DeLon Wright steal and a back, behind-the-back pass to John Collins for a dunk. Um, the Wolves did get back into it. In fact, there was a little bit of a premature celebration I saw on Twitter a couple different times. The, uh, Hawks think this game was over, and it wasn't. It really was not over until like a minute to go. I mean, the Hawks were in control. Don't get me wrong. They were favored in the game at that point. But the Wolves kind of never faded altogether. They were able to get it down to 13, and then down to 10, and then down to 8, and then down to 6. And they were kind of just hanging around there. Um, Nate called timeout in the middle of that run to get Trey back in the game. And kind of weirdly left Lou Williams in, which was a little bit strange. That only lasted about four or five seconds, but kind of a weird brain fart, I think, in my, in, at least in my mind, to have Lou still in there with Trey. But they were able to score enough to keep the margin where it was, and they actually went to a sort of a junk zone, um, the Wolves did, with the Towns having five fouls that worked a little bit on the Hawks. In fact, the Hawks only scored like five points in five minutes or so um, late in the fourth quarter to have uh, things get a little bit interesting. Um, they got into a timeout up only eight with 140 to go. It was 11-3 run by Minnesota. And then with 108 to go, um, DeAndre Hunter threw a pretty terrible pass at half court that was intercepted, ended up being a layup. And the Hawks were only up by six. Now, again, up six with a minute to go, you're favored. But the game is not over, and it needed to be over at that point. They had already put the game away. For, for the most part, they just didn't go all the way there. Um, fortunately, they kind of fouled Trey on purpose, which is not a great idea, honestly. I know it's kind of time and score stuff, but he made both – to kind of uh, help seal things, and then it didn't fully end until Trey had a nutmeg and the, uh, about 30 seconds to go, ended up in a layup, and that put the Hawks up by 10, and it was over from there. So they were never like fully challenged down the stretch. It was just kind of close enough to be interesting at the uh, down stretch of the fourth quarter. So big picture stuff for the game itself. The offense was really good the entire way, even in the, even in the first half, but especially after halftime a 131 offensive rating for the Hawks in this game. And the Wolves have been playing good, good defense this year. You know, in the past, they've been a bad defensive team, but not this year. They've been a top 10, top 12 defense on paper this season, and the Hawks were really good. 39% from three, 52% from the floor, 29 of 33 at the line, 34 assists, 12, 12 turnovers. That is all very, very, very good in terms of, of the stat stuff and a good, good approach as well. They obviously got a little bit hot in terms of three-point shooting in the second half, but nothing unsustainable and, or crazy. Just they played well on offense. The one sort of black mark 
on that end of the floor was a, the offensive rebounding, and there was not really any of that there. That's one of the things that they have not done the last few games, but it's not a huge deal. They just kind of got beat up on the glass a little bit throughout this game. And then defensively for the full game, the numbers were pretty hideous still, but the second half was really good. Uh, the Wolves were 8-25 from the floor in the third quarter. The Hawks had six blocks in the third quarter alone. And for the entire second half, the Wolves were 15-50 from the floor. That is 30%. Um, which kind of tells you how crazy it was, how good they were on offense in the first half. But the Hawks were uh, good defensively after halftime. Okongwu uh, leading the way there along with Collins, and um, perimeter stuff was better as well with Hunter, and they made some plays. So it was good to see that, and that intensity, Dylan Wright had a steal, etc. Um, Minnesota won the glass by a lot in this game, which ended up having them take a lot more shots from the floor, uh, but, and they also, but they also had more turnovers and fewer free throws than the Hawks, so the Hawks won on the margins outside of the rebounding battle in this game, and Minnesota does play a almost a pure rebounder in Vanderbilt. That's kind of what he does. Um, Towns is a good rebounder as well at times, so not a huge surprise, but on the whole, the Hawks played great in the second half. Um, the score reflected that, and uh, for the full game, the offense was really, really clicking, which is good to see. The offense has always been gone all year long, but they did enough in this game to kind of overcome a bad defensive half, even with the help of a good, of a good defensive half, after halftime. All right, we'll get into the individual stuff in a second, but first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. All right, individually in this game, a lot to like, of course, so we'll be giving a nice win. Uh, the two guys who didn't play a ton, but played the rotation a little bit were Gorgie Jang and Kevin Knox. Nothing really to be said about those guys other than I thought Jang had a couple of nice moments defensively, but also had some foul trouble and some ugly moments as well, so kind of a mixed bag from him. Uh, Knox had a nice dunk, but that was kind of all he did in his three minutes, so we'll move on from there. Lou Williams struggled in terms of his shooting. He only had uh, 1 of 5 from the floor and 0 of 4 from 3. That forces had 7 points, getting the line 5 times. Um, I think he's been playing better now since he, returned, since he rejoined the rotation a couple games ago than he had been before that. So maybe he had that, that, sort of that time off, did him some good. But I think that he has been a little bit better. Not great. I think they probably are playing him a little bit too much still. But it's worth noting that he has been playing a little bit better. DeLon Wright, kind of a DeLon Wright game in a lot of ways. Five points, three assists, two steals, two or three from the floor. Didn't take a ton of shots, but played well defensively and just did DeLon Wright stuff and played well, I think, was a positive contributor in this game. And then Gallo had the one stretch in the first half where he really had it going in the second quarter. Had 15 points on 5 of 10 from the floor, 3 of 7 from 3, 5 rebounds. He's now had 15 points or more in four straight games, so he's had some juice. That's been good to see. Obviously, you know, he has to he has to have that in order to contribute positively. But I think Gallo has been better recently, and uh, the energy level's been good for him, and the way that he's been able to attack and be aggressive and take advantage of his mismatches and all that stuff has been uh, positive for the Hawks off the bench. He's been a reason why the Hawks have been better with their reserves recently. Um, to the starters from there, um, Herter had a nice game, kind of just quiet, solid, 12 points, 6 assists, 5 nine from the floor, 2 of 5 from 3. Uh, defensively, wasn't great in the first half, nor was anybody really, but he had a couple of ugly moments against Edwards, but nothing, nothing terrible from there. I thought he played pretty well and was just a kind of a solid across-the-board piece. And, and by the way, it was plus 12 in his 38 minutes. Um, Collins, kind of similar, 12, 17 points, 12 rebounds, three assists, two steals, two blocks. It will run an effort from him. He fouled out um, in 33 minutes, but was efficient enough. Um, seven of 14 on twos, um, two, actually over two on threes. So I'm not great there for his own, his own efficiency is not exactly, I'd say it's actually below his normal baseline, but still relatively efficient in the game. And then defensively, I thought he had some nice moments in the second half. The steals and blocks are nice. And I thought he had some highlight moments, um, along the way. Um, DeAndre Hunter was good. Uh, early on, he was their spark plug offensively. And then he settled in a little bit, had a nice, um, very strong across the board game, 22 points, five rebounds and assist a steal. Um, did have five fouls in 34 minutes, but was six of nine on twos, three of seven on threes, and uh, played steadily, played well, and did a good job defensively uh, in the second half in particular. Um, Akongwa was awesome after halftime. 
Had 17 points, 8 rebounds, and 5 blocks in the game. Also had a steal and an assist. Was 5-8 to the floor. Got to the line 9 times. Made 7 of them. That's really good to see. A uh, You know, you kind of see the embodiment of Okongwu. We spent a lot of time the last two podcasts. If you missed those, I encourage you to listen to those podcasts. But um, kind of just praising Okongwu and all the stuff that I love about him and his upside and what I thought about him in the draft, etc. And that all still applies. He was really good in this game. Um, McMillan got a question from Chris Kirshner after the game about whether like they kind of have want to stick with this lineup when Capella comes back, and uh, Nate had no time for that. He kind of said plainly that Capella's the starter um, at center, which is not a huge surprise. I haven't said that for a while. They're going to start Capella. Capella's a good player. Um, you know, at, at this point in time, Capella's a more proven entity than Kongwu is, and there are pluses and minuses. Obviously, Kongwu is much more uh, mobile on the perimeter, for instance. His, his, uh, his touch is better around the rim. That is undeniable, but Capella is still um, overall the better rim protector, the uh, better rebounder, etc. So there's there's pluses and minuses. McMillan also went on to say in that same answer that Kongwu Kong obviously makes them better. It pushes Clint, and that's the best best of both worlds. So people are asking me kind of what the split's going to be when he returns. We'll see. You know, Capella. We don't know when he's going to be back at this point in time. He is, um, I guess, getting a little bit closer. We would would imagine at this point in time, and nothing that we know for sure. I think that he's going to start when he comes back, and uh, that will definitely cut into Okongwu's minutes. I think there's no reason to believe right now that they're willing to try Okongwu at the four, so it's going to be 48 minutes or less of those two guys, and we'll see what the split is. I think Okongwu has definitely earned some time, to be sure, and some more time, potentially, but I don't think it's going to be him playing 30 minutes and Clint playing 18. So keep that in mind. We'll see how that goes in the future. But um, on this night, I'm going to focus on the positive, and Okongwu uh, was awesome. In the second half, If watch that tape again. Highlight plays defensively. Um, the only thing that I'll say before we move on is that um, McMillan kind of addressed earlier the um, decision to not have Okongwu guard Carl Anthony Towns at the first half of this game. And they we actually went back to, I haven't had a chance to watch this, so I'm going to take, take what he said um, in terms of just presenting it to you. He said in the first Wolves game, which the Hawks won, by the way, that they used Capella as sort of an off-ball guy, and they had Collins defending Carl Anthony Towns as the primary, and that was effective in their minds. So they tried the same thing here with Okongwu off the ball and Collins on, on Towns. Now, in the first half, I don't think Towns was really the guy that was killing them. You know, that was really the perimeter stuff and Edwards and a lot of shot making. But it didn't work, let's just say. And actually, McMillan used the word confused about Okongwu and his defensive role. So he kind of just said, look, Okongwu was confused by the role. And we kind of just switched tried to switch it at halftime, let him do what he does better, which is what, you know, guarding guys one-on-one. So that ended up working. You could sort of debate on what the strategy was. It obviously didn't work, and I don't necessarily love that, but they did the same thing with Capella, so it wasn't like a Kongwu-only thing. They kind of had a uh, thought process there, and it's one of the things that we don't always talk about, like real game plan stuff on this podcast, but it didn't work. They switched it, and it ended up working better, and a Kongwu against Towns did a very, very nice job in the second half. So that's all I have on that, just interesting stuff, and uh, obviously a very good night for the Kongwu crowd because he is uh, very, very good at basketball. And then lastly, um, Trey Young was brilliant in this game, particularly after his slow start, which he even acknowledged after the game. 37 points, 14 assists, um, 5 rebounds, was 10 of 17 on the floor, 6 of 10 on threes, and perfect from the free throw line. He played great up and down the uh, game in this one. Again, kind of a slow start, but it's kind of wild that he scored 37 points when he didn't score until 4 minutes left in the second quarter. Uh, but that was how good he was after halftime, and uh, the passing was always there. He, he had nine assists at the half, so it wasn't like he only started doing that in the, half, in the second half as well, and when he has it going, good luck. So he was very, very good, and he was the uh, engineer of the Hawks' offense in this spot. So with all that said, we will wrap up this uh, this game and leave it there. Just say you know, two, two wins in a row for the first time in almost two months. That's a huge positive for Atlanta. The, the vibe, the mood is much more upbeat now, as you might imagine. And winning will cure a lot of things, as we saw last year. So uh, hopefully that helps keep that rolling, and we'll see how that tracks 
in the next couple of days. Their next thing on the agenda is actually a Friday night home game against Miami. Miami is very good, so that's a challenge. They lost to the Miami Heat twice last week. This will be their third matchup in eight days. So uh, a real test of familiarity. Their division rivals, all that fun stuff. And Bam Adebayo is back, so a test for sure. Is it a winnable game? Yes. Will the Hawks be favored? Probably not. And we'll see if they can pull off their third game in a row. You know, one of these games they were favored in, the Milwaukee game, they were not favored in. Um, so we'll see. And um, also, by the way, you know, this is a spot where the Hawks can rack up wins. I tweeted out tweet the schedule today. Only one road game in like a two-week like span. So the Hawks have some chances here. You know, Miami is probably the toughest game, on, toughest game on, this, on this whole stretch until the very end of it when they play Phoenix in February. But uh, a tough test. Let's be sure about that. Also, the Heat played tonight, so no inherent rest advantage. They beat the Blazers at home this evening, so they are playing well. We'll get into all of that. I don't think I'm going to have another podcast until after the game on Friday unless something crazy happens. I'm on the road, as you probably can hear on this podcast, so my apologies on the audio quality. But that wraps up today's show, and again, a very positive week so far from the Hawks. 2-0, a chance to have a nice sort of statement win on Friday, I think, pulling off. And I will leave it there for now. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please tell your friends about the show. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Hawks. And we'll see you after the game on Friday.